0: here 610 ESPN Philadelphia another big win from the Philadelphia Eagles who were absolutely on fire perhaps the most watchable Eagles game you've ever seen in your life an instant classic it will go down as one of the all-timers someday when Merrill Reese is narrating the yearbook or the the top 50 games of Philadelphia Eagles history he will say, and let us go back to November the 3rd, 2019, while the Philadelphia Eagles took the field against the Chicago Bears. And it'll be like number two all time. <laughs> anyway, let's let's get the roundtable going. We've got Kevin Kincaid at Kevin underscore Kincaid. What up? What up? What's going on? Bob Wankel at Bob Wankel CB. What's happening? Anthony Sanfilippo at Ant San Philly. Yo! All right, let's talk about the Eagles game, Kevin. You said it's an instant classic.
1: It was. It's uh, yeah. I mean, it's got to be at least top, top three, if not top four, all time uh, Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles game. I actually, I looked over. Uh, I looked over on the couch. I want to say, I uh, like two thirty-three, two forty-five, three o'clock, something like that my wife was asleep on the couch. The dog was asleep on the other side of the couch. And, uh, my six month old was asleep in the, the bouncer. So I was the only, I was the only person in my house. that was still conscious, uh, conscious for the second half of the Eagles game. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean that kind of sums it up, doesn't it? I it was the not same exi- way. Wife not exi- asleep on the
0: couch, both boys <laughs> up, asleep in their beds, and usually I get excited on Sundays because it's like, all right, guys, we only take, get six, take 16 your naps. Days a year. Take your naps, like let me let me just sit back and enjoy the game. Then I don't have to chase you around for a yeah. few hours. Yeah, and my God, I I, I think I would have much preferred chase my well, kids. Let me around. give you a
2: different perspective. I was at a local establishment, a so local was I. Watering yeah. hole, oh. and
0: you know what? Like,
2: everybody was awake, but everybody was miserable. Yeah, you know, like everybody was just waiting for them to lose the game. Kind Kind of like how they lost the Carolina game I last agree. year. It yes. was very similar trajectory. They're dominating the game. You think, man, they might win this game by 25 points going away. And then all of a sudden you look up and you go, they could lose. It's amazing to me, though. Now, you go back to the start of last year. They're 15-12. and 12. They've won a playoff game. They're a game or a half a game out of first place in the NFC East. And everybody is miserable after every game. Do you think it's just because the bar has been raised in the wake of the Super Bowl? Or do you think it's just... Strictly a product of of the game and the style that they're playing right now. It's
3: because expectations were ramped up so high for this team, and they're just not that. They're not as good as the expectation was. They're a good team, but they're just a marginally good team.
0: Are they a good team? I think they're. Decent. I mean, they're
3: five and four. You know, they're five and four
1: going into the. They're going
3: to win ten games this year.
1: They were three and four after they got walloped by Dallas. So I mean, if you took a look at the the Eagles from afar. And I told you at the beginning of the year, oh, they're five and four going into the bye week with two weeks to prepare for the Patriots. I mean, if I told you that in a vacuum without really the circumstances of of, of how they got here or what the what this team really is, I mean, would you have would you take that if I told you that in yes. August?
3: Knowing what their second five, half of their schedule five is. Five and four going yes. in, yeah.
2: Yeah, basically that you survived this part of the schedule. Dallas has a difficult second half. Yeah. You're right there going into a bye week. I think that this really all just comes down to the wide receivers. I think that we have this history of inadequate wide receiver play in the city over the last twenty years, and I think that we're just fixated on what we're seeing and the complete lack of production.
1: I know I saw you drop in uh, Thrash and Pinkston um, tweets earlier today. I wasn't ready to take it that far, but I mean, I guess it does. I mean, seem that way when when, when you when you go there. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I went Negadelfia you know, in the big morning uh, write-up even before the Deshaun Jackson news came out, you know, because I just – I mean, I just kept sitting there thinking, like, I, n- nothing nothing about that win really, really, truly was impressive, you know? I mean, they won, they won by eight points against a team that had nine total yards of offense in the first half. You know, they beat Mitch Trubisky at home. Uh, you know, they still didn't complete a downfield pass of more than whatever yards. I mean, in a way, it was just sort of like – they beat a crappy team at home, and I, I don't. I didn't. I didn't come out of. I mean, I guess I didn't come out of that game thinking that they were anything different than what we thought they were. You know, what I mean, I, I, I guess. I guess what I'm saying is I didn't see anything to kind of inspire me to think that all right, we're going to get to the uh, playoffs here. We're going to do some damage in the playoffs. I mean, they could get to nine and seven and win the division, but I mean, I, I, that looks like the ceiling of this team
0: right they now. They are who we thought they were.
1: Yeah, and if you want to crown them,
3: I don't <laughs> think I can say that. Can I say I, that, Ryan? I'll <laughs> give them. I'll give yeah. them credit though. I mean, for this. The Bears are stink. Are not a good offensive team, but they're a pretty darn good defensive team. They ran the ball decently against them, converted third downs against them, and that last. I mean, the first drive of the first of the first half, first drive of the second half, and the final drive of the game that the Eagles had the ball. They were all really good drives against a very good defense. They were. And, uh, you know, they moved – I was going to counter a stat with a stat there
1: in a non-confrontational way. I was going to say that they uh, – <laughs> <yeah. laughs> I was going to say that they – you know, it's – it's uh, what do you expect a defense to do when they're on the field for 40 minutes? True. It's the most lopsided time of possession that the Eagles have had in something like two years. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they they did move the ball on those early drives when, when the Bears' defense was still fresh. I mean, you how know, much
2: so- – how differently would we feel if they would have finished that opening drive? I mean, they were so dominant the first two times that they had the ball early on and they only had six points to show for it. and I don't know if you happen to see it today, but you know Brian Baldinger goes on you know on Twitter and does his little breakdown bodies breakdowns, and breakdowns yeah. yeah and I mean they show you whence. Held the ball and he had Ertz yeah. open, and there there was an opportunity. And yeah. do we feel differently if if they execute and finish one of those drives? Yeah, it's because
1: just, if you it, well, I mean, say okay, so say they finish one drive, but not the other. So you're saying three points plus seven points is ten points, and they get the other touchdown, and they don't and they don't miss the extra point. And it's seventeen nothing at halftime. Yeah, I mean, you feel a lot better about it. But that's that's like to me, it's you know, it goes back to expectations. Like twelve nothing against a team that's got nine yards of, of offense at halftime is not good enough. That ain't but, but the that you know, ain't But the they new, were up, they it's were
3: not up the new 19 norm. points in the third quarter, guys. And then uh, they, and, and then they let they let way Chicago way back in yeah. for One. the
2: amount of defensive issues that they've had. And I know that we're talking about yeah. two just inadequate offenses here over the last two weeks in in both Buffalo and Chicago, but they're averaging, what, 13.5 points allowed per game over the last two weeks. They've kind of weathered this storm after just being a complete catastrophe for, for multiple weeks, so I think that you have to give them a little bit of credit there. It looks like Fletcher Cox on the inside of that defensive line is finally starting to get some push, which we hadn't seen for the first two months of the season.
3: Jernigan helps.
2: Jernigan helps that, obviously, and then you're starting to see a little bit more production out of the edge rushers, which was completely non-existent through the first, what, you know seven games of this year except for the jets game. Oh, I mean like
1: like name all of the offensive weapons that the Buffalo Bills and the Chicago Bears have. <laughs> Tariq Cohen, isn't it amazing? Allen, like how he's Rob- just
2: kind of become like <laughs> neutralized. Well, I'll take Allen Robinson all day in comparison to what the Eagles have, especially. But yeah, you know. I I just
1: I don't know. I I am just feeling really negative about the well, Eagles right now. I don't know if that's typically how I am or not. I I mean I think usually I'm, pretty, I'm this guy. Usually you're that guy. I think I'm pretty pragmatic about it. Like I'm so jaded from writing f- four million stories a week that I don't think I have a take one way or another. But uh, I just can't like I'm 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 not imp- I'm not impressed by anything they've done. Like, you, you, you're supposed to beat the – it's like the you old, and I think that's, it's old that's, Chris Rock skit. You're you supposed are. to beat the Bears at home.
0: And that's the thing. Like, I, I saw I saw people saying that, like, well, you know, they went and they beat the Bills and they beat the Bears. It's, they're they're not good teams. They'd be but they just, were an the underdog. Bills. The Bills were
4: five and one. Underdogs. They were an underdog
2: on the road after a, a mess of a week in which everybody thought that they were about to roll over and die. They didn't. They got up off the mat. They win the game going away on the road in what was a, a dominant – Performance, especially in the second half of that game, so but like not so come when they cover the spread yesterday. I thought like the of, Eagles were a thirteen-point favorite. Plenty yesterday. of neutral
0: national pundits had said that the Bills might be the the most they might have the most inflated record going into that game. So, sure, but you so still got to go. I, do I, I, do I never it. thought that that was really that. But you, have five I, I
1: you I got I five wins. You got five wins. Dominate. You but. have five wins, and how many of them have been impressive? Buffalo to go up there under the circumstances. Green Bay. Green Bay, and the Washington win was whatever. The Jets win, they stink. The Bears win. They stink too. Like this team is not done. This team does not pass the eye test. You just sit well, back. I, and, I agree with yeah, that. Yeah, you can sit mean, back and say like, and I'm not talking about you specifically, but I'm talking about if you're like a like a national national guy and you say, well, five and four, blah blah blah, this and that. You know, they're getting healthy before the Deshaun news. You know, that was kind of the narrative this morning, right? You got the bye week, but uh, anybody who's watched this team through all whatever quarters they've played knows that this team just doesn't have it. You know, this team does not have it. I don't know what it is, but it's just like. A lack of killer instinct, uh, you know, something but, something but to prove to is. me that they can do, do some damage in the playoffs. Like, I don't see it.
2: Who is the team that's going to do the damage in the playoffs? Now I know the NFC has several good teams, but it just I keep coming back to how I felt last year when they were four and six. I said, This team stinks. They're not even going to finish five hundred. They catch fire at the end, and then they're an Alshon Jeffrey drop away from conceivably being in the NFC championship game against a Rams team that they owned over the last couple years. It just seems like in the NFL. Just stay afloat, stay alive, stay in it, and then all of a sudden you could find yourself there,
0: but, even though they don't pass the eye test. I mean, I agree with what you're saying, but let's stay relevant here, you know. Well, and to go with Kevin's point, and then something that Anthony had said, like they they let the Bears back in the game. The the Bears had how many points in the or had how many yards in the first half? Nine. 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 It was negative ten at one point. But yeah. before they had the n-
1: final drive, where they got a couple of crappy like you know passes. Passes. prevent prevent yeah. defense. Yeah.
0: Nine first half yards. The Eagles' offense seemed to have their way with what had been a vaunted Bears defense going into the season. Doug Peterson has no clue. Between Doug Peterson and Mike Rowe has no idea how to call plays in the red zone in that first half. And all of a sudden, instead of relying on the thing that's gotten you plenty of success, which is a power run game, you opt to do what exactly in the red zone? Smokescreen. Somebody makes sense of that. Because it's, it's, it's almost as if... But, but to it's be almost, fair they've been good in the red zone this year overall which is this fine isn't like some but like repeated when when you here. look at at the way that you've been dominant and that Mitch Trubisky is an absolute joke as an NFL quarterback all right let's say worst case scenario you don't convert on fourth down you think Mitch Trubisky's is going to lead his team 93 yards the other way I certainly don't I think your defense is solid enough to force a punt right so I I feel like in on one hand it's almost like Doug doesn't have faith in his defense to hold at that point which I think is ridiculous. Or Doug just doesn't want to admit that this team has to be a running team. And it's almost like you're playing against somebody in Madden online and you're having plenty of success with the run, but you like to do play action. You like to pass because you you like to play with Mike Vick from 10 years ago, Madden, and you like to roll out and you like to try to get the, the big gain. Sometimes you just have to do what it takes to win. It doesn't matter if it's pretty or not. And I feel like that's, that's the one thing that there's like a cognitive disconnect between seeing what the numbers say has been successful for you and then doing what used to be successful for you when you were on your way to the Super Bowl. Well, I'll say this, though. I mean,
2: they ran the ball yesterday. They ran the ball 35 times for 146 yards. The last two weeks, they've ran the ball 76 times, 364 yards. That's 4.8 yards per carry. And they did it yesterday against a top-five rushing defense. Now, I know that Akeem Hicks isn't there anymore, and and that's a big part of their issue in recent weeks. I think New Orleans ran it up on them pretty well. I think yeah. they had well over 150 yards on the ground against them mm-hmm. too. But mm-hmm. that being said, this this is a team that has committed to the run over the last two weeks. And really yeah. to that point, I think that this is what you're hanging your hat on right now if you're an Eagles fan. You say, okay, we're not going to be this flashy big play offense. So now we're going to have to be the team that controls the clock, can run the football effectively. If they can continue to do this and maybe take some of the pressure off of that defense, which by the way, I yeah, gave up. Well, what was it? I mean, it's not like they gave up a ton of yardage in the second half yesterday. They
3: 180, gave up, 185, I think it was. Yeah, so they gave up 164 yeah, total one yards deep, in the game. The so, one deep look, yeah. Yeah, so
2: yeah. it's not like this defense got absolutely shredded in the second half either. I, I just look at it and say maybe they have to change their identity a little bit. They're not going to be a pass-first team. They're not going to hit the big play over the top like we thought they were. And that's what I think we were really excited about.
3: But like we said last week, is that a bad thing? Eh, Maybe not. Look at some of the best teams in the NFL this year. They're running teams.
2: It forces you to bear down a little bit. And I think that you, to an extent, did see that the last two years when they went to Nick Foles. It seems like Doug Peterson's infatuated with Carson Wentz. There's all this talent. There's all this ability to hit the big play, right? But when you went to Nick Foles, and not that they didn't take shots down the field, but the idea was we got to simplify. We have to be a little bit more conservative. We're not going to light up our opponents. Well, now maybe he has to bear down and do the same thing with Carson Wentz. And I'm not telling you that it's going to result in an NFC Championship or a Super Bowl, and that's disappointing because that was the expectation back in August. But this could still be a 10-win team, particularly with this schedule. And this could be a playoff team that wins a game.
0: And that's kind of the point that I was trying to make a few weeks ago where I said Carson Wentz has the ability to fit the ball into the tight window, right? But just because you can doesn't mean you should. To me, it's the same idea with Doug Peterson. Just because you have a quarterback who can make every throw, just because you can call that play doesn't mean you should. And if you're finding success and you're in a short yardage situation, to me, it, it's a no-brainer to run the ball in that situation. There's one other thing that I think in, in this game we need to talk about, and it was something that we brought up a few weeks ago. There is this, if you think it's an infatuation with Carson Wentz, I don't know what the heck you call Darren Sproles. I don't know what we call the the affinity that Doug Peterson has for calling design play specifically for Sproles. Now, I know that a couple of those were were reads that Wentz made to to go to Sproles, but like that that killed a drive. He just and, shouldn't he
2: shouldn't be in the game. Yeah, he was targeted three twice in the passing game, and then he had. Well, two there was a carry. series series where he had yeah. three
1: touches in a row, Is that and right it wasn't at the end of the first half. It, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: and those that's what I'm talking about. It's like that's when you
1: want a team to to come out, you know, and and put your foot on their throat, you know, stomp on a team when they're down, just, just have that killer instinct. Like I don't, it's like they took their foot off the gas and they were just like lollygagging around, blah, blah, blah. We're going on a Sunday stroll. You know, I'm sitting in the, in the middle lane of 95 and people are trying to actually go and do things like where's, where's the sense of like, you know, I want to, I want to drop a curse word here, but I can't cause we're on the radio, but I need those people. Like I need a, uh, I want winners, like Mike Singletary once said. You know, like this team does not. Like, where is that?
3: That's Deuce's in call, this though. Team? To, to run Sproles, yeah. There, and right. I, I don't. I don't to put Sproles in that package.
1: Yeah, he because he does. He handles the running back rotations, of right. course. You know, but uh, this, you know, KYP man, know your personnel. Your strength is Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard. Twelve personnel, offensive line, balance running and, and passing. You know, I, I get why they. I think what Doug thinks with kind of the the bubble screen, the tunnel screen, the smoke screen, whatever lateral bull crap you want to call it, you know they they know they can't throw the ball down the field because they just don't have the receivers to do it right now. So you try to space the field out that way instead laterally and get some guys into space. I mean, Nelson Aguilar, for all the criticism he's taken this year and last year, he was a pretty damn good slot receiver when he was actually allowed to play out of the slot during the Super Bowl year, you know? So I, I think they think that they can try to get some guys out in space, try to work it that way since they're not getting a lot of stuff down the field. But, you know, again, those plays are like college plays that you scheme up to get your more talented guys against less talented guys. You know, Oregon ran 50 of those a game because they knew that, like, uh, Washington State pre-Mike Leach just did not have the talent to stop it. Like, that's not going to happen in the NFL. So, I mean, I think I get what they're, what they're trying to do theoretically. But, look, I mean, there there are solutions moving forward. Okay, you don't have Deshaun, Right. You could cut Mac Hollins during this radio show right now and sign Jordan Matthews and improve your football team. You could cut Mac Hollins and you could sign Greg Ward and you can improve your football team. I don't well, want to I don't, don't want to waste time. Looked. Can I throw in? You know, name? you
2: don't want to talk about the merits of JJ Nelson? Yes. <laughs> no, That's what I, I was, was going to say. say. I was
1: going to say that I don't want to talk about Antonio Brown, but I don't yeah. think you guys want no, to. No, I don't want to so. talk
3: about that. No, am I'm glad yeah. you brought up that name. It was funny before you guys even got here. We were off the air and I was talking about it with Russ and Ryan. I said JJ Nelson is an interesting name to me because he's still young. It's only, yeah, what, 27? 27. Yeah. Okay, 27. Uh, can get downfield. He's got some speed. Yeah, I mean, he's not a great receiver, but he adds that ability to stretch the field. Kind of opens up your your offense for you a little bit.
2: Yeah, he had a two-year stretch with the Cardinals back-to-back where he had 63 catches, a little over a 1,000 yards. He was 17 yards per catch guy. Yeah. Now, he's had some knee and ankle injuries, I believe, this year. Uh, and he was cut by Oakland. So, I don't know. But, I mean, when you consider what they have, these are the things that you have to look at. I well, mean, and Michael you can... Crabtree probably becomes you – know, again, speed's not really there at this point, right. but is he better than Matt Collins?
1: Well, I mean, at this time of the year, just because he missed the trade deadline, I mean, doesn't mean you're, you know, SOL, you know, because, you know, they went out and found Cravon LeBlanc at this time last year, and he right. turned into a, in, into a guy, you know. So, uh I just, I just don't, I don't know. I I think the positives yesterday certainly on the defensive side of the ball. I liked how they played more man coverage, and they had the single high safety going there. They just blew an inverted cover two on that deep pass to Taylor Gabriel, which is a a defensive scheme that they should never play ever again, you know, because they've had too much confusion back there. But uh, you know, they knew that these these Bears receivers were just kind of whatever, and they got up on the line and they played them tight. I thought Jim Schwartz had a pretty good game, honestly, you know. And if we're gonna go glass half full, if I'm gonna, I'll give since since this is a fair and balanced radio show i'm gonna give you the positive Delphia angle of it too you know the defense was good tim jernigan was in there we need to get um, like a
2: sound cut for that for positive delphi like, yeah.
1: yeah yeah, yeah Try to you just try to be fair man if i'm gonna be negative Delphia for the for the first 20 minutes i'll try to give you something positive i mean they're outside of the deshaun thing say let, let's all assume that they're gonna just find some kind of receiver right and then but now they've got avante maddox back they've got Jalen mills back who was pretty as much crap as, as Jalen mills has taken over the last couple of years he's been pretty good so far Ronald Darby's back. Uh, you know this. The secondary looks like it's in better shape. You can probably cut Andrew Sandejo now and get the comp pick for
2: him. Uh, Jimmy kemsky has been banging that. Drum I know Jimmy. All day. Jimmy's <laughs> like turned into an like an hour. Jimmy has <laughs>
1: turned into like the comp the, yeah. k- the comp pick guy. Like yeah. that's his go to you know, comp it's, pick uh, guy. stick figures and comp picks or something like that. It <laughs> sounds like a crappy blog title, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I was I, I guess I was just not impressed. With the, with the offense. You let know let I mean? me ask
2: you this. Do you think that Deshaun Jackson comes back and plays for them this season? Uh, let me set this up for no, you. I no. have two friends that made a bet, and this is a true story. They made a bet back in August. My one friend's not a big Deshaun fan. He says he will not get 10 catches this season. And my other friend says, like, what are, what are the terms of the bet? This he goes, is pre-injury? Pre-injury. Pre-season. <laughs> you God. won't get 10 catches. Wow. He says, even odds, I'm in. And so they take the bet, and like the drama surrounding this yesterday was nine. The text messages were flying back and forth in the group. So does he get to ten? Does uh, he catch one more ball? No, this no, because
1: he said, "Well, uh, so I know Ian Rappaport. I have said, to actually
2: figure that out. Yeah, Rappaport, Rappaport said on um, he like, thought he
1: would be done for this. But what was John Clark's timeline? It was like four to four to six weeks? Six so weeks yeah, to, so, six weeks. Takes, it's November fourth. Six weeks would take us halfway through December. Then so well, check you're it gonna out. have a guy Dallas. come back in the middle of December and Dallas start
2: on December twenty second would be forty seven days from tomorrow when he gets the surgery. So just shy of seven. But see four what weeks. I what I
1: understand and uh, you know, obviously nobody's a doctor in this room, um, but it's kind of uh, my understanding is that like the core muscle abdominal surgery is not always a sure bet. Like it's kinda of like a wonky part of the, yeah. the body where it's like uh when you have surgeries that are, you know, obviously everything's elective for the, you know, I, well, I mean, obviously you're not going to rehab a torn ACL without getting the surgery. Some things you got to go in, and some things you don't. But I, there's more, I think, sort of wishy-washy kind of thought on that because some athletes are like, well, I'm not, you know, it's not like a hundred percent kind of surgery all the time. Most you know?
3: doctors will tell you that the first treatment option is rest and rehab. Yeah. Prior to surgery. Yeah. So like, there, you know, I know a lot of people are going to criticize. The fact that Deshaun didn't get the surgery in week two, but most doctors will tell you that this was yeah. the proper way to do it.
1: It's not a sl- yeah, it's not a slam dunk because I I know nobody like cares, but I had something like similar like anything up in that area is kind of hard to. I guess I guess I would say it's kind of hard to like. It's not something you can like stretch. It's not something you can loosen up. It's kinda of like a weird area of your body it was where was described it can't to really...
2: me as like a phantom injury in the sense that like it's it may be fixed. Yeah. But it doesn't feel fixed. No, you can't feel like you, you go out a certain I, level I sat, of discomfort.
1: Yeah, I i I had like some kind of sports hernia of like kind of thing after playing uh, on the dusty floors of the northern liberties rec center which i don't think have been mopped in like 40 years but uh (laughs) i just like sat out for three months because i could you know i could feel this like sharp it's like a weird shooting pain you can play through it but it's not it's like not ideal you could sit there for three I, i sat there for three months and didn't do anything went out and played again i felt it right away so i can't imagine like Deshaun jackson is actually a real athlete Who's playing? Trying to run 21 miles an (laughs) hour down the trying to get get out full, full sprint. Yeah, I mean, like I can't imagine what that would have been like for him. But but I don't. I guess the point being is like for anybody who's critical of what he decided to do or whatever, I I don't think there's typically as as Anthony was saying, there's not really a one course of action that's a slam dunk that says you do this you're going to be fine, you know? So. so the people
0: who are calling it organizational malpractice should probably slow their roll is, is what we've decided. As well, yeah,
1: I mean, the doctors are probably like, what, they fired the doctors last year and they have new ones this year. I mean, they're probably rolling their eyes thinking, God, like, you know, what's, you know, you know Howie Roseman's probably thinking we can't catch a break here, you know? But th- those injuries, that, fa- that family of injuries, the abdominal uh, tree of injuries, it's just kind of like, wonky man i don't i don't know
0: how else to describe it especially for somebody who plays the way that he plays is it is it fair to to say once again that this team's over reliance on 32 year old plus players is it could be their undoing or is at least something that is has really hurt their odds? yeah i think if
2: fans have a right to be frustrated it's about the fact that an injury to an injury prone 32 year old wide receiver has completely derailed the functionality and design of this passing offense. Yeah, it's like it's it, totally it just, screwed the happen. offense.
1: Just one, I know it's it's crazy to think, but I mean, you know, again, Nelson Aguilar, you saw those two deep balls to him yesterday, and like those are passes where I mean, you can't sure if a quarterback overthrows him by five yards, whatever, but in you know, a lot of times, you need guys to go up and fight for those balls. You know, the, the the art of the deep ball is that you throw it into a position where a guy can make a play on it. You know. And the first time he didn't even really high point it or locate it. It just kind of like they, he bumped into the safety, I guess. I don't know if it was Fuller back there or somebody else, but on you know, the second one, he did make a play on it and he turned around and he saw it, but he's just not really good enough to go up there and get it and whatnot because, again, he's not a, he's not a deep threat and he's never really been a deep threat. I mean, he's a slot receiver.
2: And, and not that we necessarily need numbers to illustrate this, but they're 25th or Carson Wentz is 25th in yards per attempt and 26th. In yeah. yards per completion.
1: I know, and he's having to play. And I know that, like, I know you're not a Wentz guy, but, like, the other thing, too, is that, like, you have to pl- then play differently knowing yeah. that you don't have those receivers. Like, he knows that if he has one fumble or one interception,
2: like, he's that, that could be uh, I, be the oddly enough, felt you know? that he was was actually decent yesterday I thought I actually thought that he played fairly well yesterday especially yeah. in that last drive I mean there were a couple big passes I know that some of them were pretty high percentage you had the screen to Goddard going up the middle but I mean I, I actually thought that he played well he, he did a nice job on that final drive to secure it
1: yeah and Alshon had the, the three drops I mean I, Carson overthrew uh Darren Sproles on that third down for sure and he overthrew Alshon when he had him down the down the um I think it was off the off the right flank yeah. right sideline that one time but uh I, I don't know. I mean, it's not It's not to say there's nothing legitimate to the Carson Wentz-Nick Foles thing, because there always is going to be, but it's just hard. You have to peel away so many layers first before you can get to, like, a true evaluation of, of what Carson Wentz really is this year.
0: Since you brought up the name, and it was the thing that Anthony had asked before, the Darren Sproles thing, and I guess we could we could leave it on this going into break, but the Darren Sproles thing, I wonder if part of the reason that the team seems so reliant on him or the reason that Deuce Daly is maybe calling his number is because if, if you compare them for their careers, maybe this is a situation where Deuce Staley for the last few years of his career um, with Pittsburgh felt like people had counted him out and he didn't get a fair shake at, in his in his final years. Uh, in his next-to-last season, 04, he played in 10 games. He started 10, had a pretty solid season. The next year he only played five games, had one start, and then the following season he had, he had one game. I wonder if this is a guy who was an NFL lifer, a football lifer who's looking at giving somebody who managed to have a much longer career in Darren Sproles, and it's just somebody from the football fraternity looking out for someone else. And, And my only issue there is, is it at the detriment of the team? And I think we saw in this last game, it could be. Hope- I mean, hopefully, like, I think we're getting a little carried away lost. with this. If
2: this was after Week One, where he had ten plus touches, I'd say, okay, fine. But I mean, he had two targets and two carries yesterday, and I know. I think it's more about sequencing than anything. It was that one drive was kind of dedicated to him. Rush but, just. I mean, it's
1: not Russ, like he. Russ has this thing against older. People, it's ageism. Like the Eagles didn't
2: score I, 22 I, points yesterday because Darren Sproles got four looks. I deal with it all the time.
3: It's yeah. ageism. I deal with yeah. it all the time with Russ. By the way, just so you know, Russ, when I when I used to play video games that were football, I, I relied on Bo Wait, Jackson and you, Barry Sanders. I never threw you, the what ball. Do
0: mean, what do you mean? What you mean when you <laughs> played, <laughs> I played? What?
3: When I was your age I, <laughs> I played these video games, <laughs> <laughs> these
0: video games. <laughs> <laughs> we used to take two rocks and. Draw there was lines there was, was no in the forward dirt. pass in, in my yeah. video. Did games.
1: you have video games back then? No, I'm just kidding.
4: Somebody, please. All right, we're going to go to a break. break. This is
0: uh, Crossing Broadcast on six ten ESPN Philadelphia.
4: Every day, the men and women of the United States Marine Corps demonstrate their commitment to defend the American way of life. Since seventeen seventy five, we have served our nation as a force in readiness, from combat operations to humanitarian assistance in every corner of the world. No matter where the mission takes us today or wherever our country needs us tomorrow, we always remember the land we call home. As Marines, we take a stand for each other, for our nation, for us all, the few, the proud, The Marines. Introducing the YMCA. What, you already know the Y? Or so you think. Sure, you know the Y for a swim, a workout, even a game of hoops. But did you know we're more than that? We're a cause. When you take your jump shot at the Y, someone else is getting job training. Take a cardio class. While kids are in an after-school enrichment program. Practice your downward-facing dog as a teen practices her leadership skills. That's the why. We work with people no matter their age, income, or background, and give them the opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive, all with one simple goal in mind, to strengthen our community. And we've got so much more that does just that. So while you might think of the why as that place for lifting weights, we're also about lifting entire communities. Introducing the why. We're so much more than a place, we're a cause. Visit ymca.net slash more.
3: And we are back here on Crossing Broadcast here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. And before we jump into, we're going to talk a little bit of uh, Sixers stuff coming up here in a second. The 5-0 Philadelphia 76ers, only undefeated team left in the NBA. But before we do, we want to talk about our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook. They're offering a $500 risk-free bet. To new users. That's right, $500 risk free bet to new users. While that risk free bet is an amazing deal, it's just the beginning. FanDuel Sportsbook has so many other awesome promos happening all the time. Any given day, you can go onto the app or onto the website and you can find odds boots, bet insurance, special bonuses, you name it, they've got it. Uh, they have a cash-out feature, makes it easy to take your winnings early. And as the game goes on, you get updated offers to cash out your bet before the game ends. So you can even, you know, if you're a little concerned that the team might blow the lead that they have, you can cash out early and get it as a smaller percentage of what the final bet would have been, and you take home a little bit of winnings anyway. So uh, there are a ton of options to choose from over at, FanDuel's, uh, over at FanDuel, and they offer the most competitive lines around. Uh, Bob, I think you have a pick that you want to give for tonight's action.
2: So, you have your undefeated Philadelphia 76ers. They're a one and a half point favorite currently at Fandle over the Suns tonight. Suns are okay, I guess. I don't know too much about them. I know they struggle a little bit with the Suns the last couple years. Uh, just a quick note on this. Since the NBA season, road favorites that have won five consecutive games are only 34-50 and one against the spread during the month of November. When they're favored by four points or less, they're only 7-15 against the spread. Three points or less, they're 3-10 against the spread. And when favored by two points or less, as the Sixers are tonight, as a one and a half point favorite, they're 1-9 against the spread. So, uh... Listen, I'm not telling you that the Sixers aren't good enough to go 6-0 and or that they shouldn't win the game, but that is a very bizarre and pretty telling trend. So, at the very least, I am not on the Sixers tonight. I will say that.
3: That sounds like Bob's picking the Suns.
2: Might be picking the Suns.
3: Sounds like it. Sounds like it. Don't forget, you can place that 500 risk-free bet on the Suns. When you use our promo code CB, like Crossing Broadcast, signing up is simple. It's easy to add money to your account and withdraw your winnings whenever you want. Just download the app to bet from anywhere in New Jersey or PA and sign up with the promo code CB and make your first deposit within seven days. If you lose, FanDuel Sportsbook will give you a refund and site credit of up to $500. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app now or visit FanDuel.com Sportsbook to claim your risk-free bet up to $500 with the promo code CB. That's promo code CB. First online wager. Refund issued as site credit. Site credit expires after 14 days. Go to Sportsbook.FanDuel.com for full terms. Must be 21 or older and present in New Jersey or Pennsylvania. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
0: Well, since you brought them up. Philadelphia 76ers. They've got Phoenix Suns tonight, as Bob said. Betting savant Bob. As we like to call. I'm them. hot right now. How the hot same. are you?
2: I'm pretty hot right now.
0: And humble too. Yeah. So the uh, the Suns are four and two. <laughs> I which love is me some me. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they should call him. Yeah. Maybe the Eagles need to call him and yeah. uh, come in. Yeah. yeah. Um. So a couple of things. The Suns are four and two, which is good enough for seventh in the Western Conference. It would have been potentially could have been uh, fourth in the Eastern Conference. To that's the uh, tale of of two conferences. It's going to be a tough matchup, especially on the road. Um. Maybe the the number one thing the story that's come out uh, of Phoenix is their ability to win without DeAndre Ayton who was suspended 25 games for violating the uh the league substance, substance abuse policy because he took a diuretic which per uh, per many people could be used to mask uh, a masking agent yeah. yeah well uh you can't mask Aaron
1: Baines- uh, out on the floor he's very easy to spot even and, if you uh, wish you could <laughs> he's been uh, yeah I mean he stepped in and done a really nice job for them um, you know Monte Williams is out there now obviously he uh, is familiar with the Sixers team with Brett Brown and his concepts and his schemes and whatnot Dario Saric will <sighs> be in this game uh, it's a little less of Devin Booker just sort of chucking the ball this year for the Suns they play with a little bit more purpose but uh, the Sixers are the better team you know no no, Joel Embiid obviously I mean we didn't even get to talk about you know the, the big fight Happened uh, on Wednesday, and we recorded on Monday. Uh,
2: Can I ask ben, you something? Ben Simmons got cat yeah. I'm going to ask you anyway. Okay. So, uh, Joel Embiid, right, with this fight, uh-huh. is this like a great thing? Is is this like
1: uh, no, 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 no? I mean, you're sitting there. Th- I mean, in the in the moment, you're like, oh man, he, you know, he got. Uh, uh, you know, just emotions poured out. And he's a guy who loves the game. So and, you know, just kind of yeah. He's so philly. resonates with the fans. He's one did of the. Us. Did the
3: fans like it?
2: Yeah, they loved it.
3: Yeah. Loved it, right?
0: They didn't, they didn't. I don't think they loved the we, the Joel Embiid part of it as much as Ben Simmons putting the rear naked choke. Yeah, yeah. On Cat, I, I, I like. That. I think my favorite thing that I saw afterwards was uh was Cat now stands for Carl Anthony tapped. Yeah, <laughs> I loved that. That was well, excellent. And, and you then know, like the and tweet, was, and he was a peacemaker.
1: No, and you're gonna call him a you know the p word you know on Twitter at 2:30 in the morning or whatever. I mean, there's 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 there's, immat- there's some immaturity there. Yeah, I mean, he's immature. Um, you know, I don't I don't think any I don't think that's a hot take really. I mean, I think it's always kind of been there with him. And Brett Brown always has kind of just taken a back seat and said, you know, Joel has a lot of, uh, of uh, what's the word he use? Spirit. He's got a lot of spirit. You know,
3: joie de vivre.
1: Yeah, you know, and it's like, uh, yeah, I get it, but when you get yourself you know two game suspension when you didn't really have to because you got your arms tangled up and then you go on a go on a four game road trip and the, then you're not available to your team for two of those games
0: i mean it's there's there's something selfish i think to that's it, you know? i think the the twitter fight afterwards was the thing that might have gotten joel in more trouble than he would have initially yeah. gotten in yeah after because especially
1: after he comes out in the press conference and we're all sitting there and he says you know i i you know this city was built for me and blah 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 and you know, he kind of took the middle of the road there. He yep. wasn't really a you know antagonistic there, and then to come out, however minute however many hours later on social media, it was, and, yeah, and then middle do it, of the it's night. It's just like you know, like help yourself, man. Like don't, don't, don't give anybody any fuel. Because remember, what was everybody saying about Joel Embiid at the end of last year as he was crying walking off the floor? You know, you had some people saying, "Well, he's just real passionate about the game," and other people saying, "Well, he's a you know and."
0: Uh, acting like a little baby. You well, know? in so fairness, don't, get, don't I mean,
1: give him ammunition to think that you're a baby. I mean,
0: Cat did go after him first on Instagram. Like we, he was the aggressor. Just like he was the guy who threw the first punch yep. in in the yeah, on in the on-court altercation. I'm just saying. Instagram. But it, he also included the crying picture of Joel, which I thought Embiid's response for the most part was fine, saying that like you're gonna be you're gonna make fun of me because I'm upset after a second round playoff loss. Yeah. You've never seen that. Like you've never had that success. Uh, in your that's weak, by the way. No, no. I don't talk but till I you think, make the playoffs. But, but I like, think if you're gonna do it, I think on. that's I think that's about as far as you can go with it. And I think even to that point, maybe he gets one game. But I think because of the way that he escalated it, because of certain kinds of name calling, it's not a good look for the league, and that's why he ended up getting can two I, games. Can is it,
3: can is I, it a bad look for the league? Can I say something yeah. here? No, wait, no, I'm gonna take the I, once again, I'm gonna take the minority of minority opinion. This is fantastic. This is sending a message. Oh, of course, the hockey guy. Uh, yeah, the yeah.
0: hockey guy yeah. likes the fight. Yeah, the
1: flyer. The Flyers are losing by three goals. Let's <laughs> just beat the
2: crap out of the other team, and
3: this, we'll show how tough. We no, are. this sends a. Me- if you want to talk about the Sixers are are going to want to make become the team to beat. You probably in the think Eastern we Conference. need to get back to old time Flyers hockey. No, team, right? I don't. I really don't. I'm not. i am <laughs> not call Donald Brashear? I,
0: I heard he's. Uh, I don't like the fact
3: that they've taken that. There's less hitting in <laughs> hockey, but I don't think yeah. that we necessarily need to go back to fighting. But at the same point. Is, is that this, regardless of the fan interest in it, it was talked about all over America, all over the NBA, all over the world. And guess what? The Sixers are, are, are now, a, you know... A th- well, with the Warriors kind of yeah. falling apart here, it, the
2: The national media needs that team. Yes. The Sixers, I think, are actually becoming, becoming that team. Becoming that team. I
3: agree with that. I see it. I see it happening. And And I'll tell you, watching the game in Portland... To see them come back the way that they did, it showed that they can play a completely different style of game if they need to to win. Well, that's what we should be talking about, you know. I mean, Joel, whatever. <laughs> Who's
0: the one of the fight? To... No, but I mean, you can't, it's, it's, you can't it's... act indignant now. No, you I'm this saying,
1: up. I'm saying you have to go through that point to get to to get to what matters. You know, is that Embiid? Okay, he's going to be sitting sitting and resting, and he'll be ready for Rudy Gobert. Wednesday Which is, okay? yeah he'll be ready for Jokic well Jokic isn't really playing that well but he'll be ready for him on Friday so we we if he was playing we'd be saying oh is he playing too much anyway so at least in, in a weird kind of way his this suspension goes hand in hand with his load is his being managed. Load <laughs> managed right you know so whatever with that it all it all ends up being a wash at the end but yeah I mean Al Horford 20 whatever points the other night the fact that this team was down by how many 20, 21 21 in yeah. the third quarter they bring Howell Neto in, who gives them a spark off the bench. They stay with, they stay with it, they stay with it, they stay with it. This, this Sixers team would have been this Sixers team last year would have been three and two. At this yes, point, you know, yes. finding ways to win. It's a cliche, right? But um, yeah, but at least they'd have Robert Covington. That would be all the. Difference. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I ain't touching that one, man. Uh, but I tell you what, man, Fur- <laughs> Furcon to for Furcon to hit that shot, it, it's. I mean, how can you not appreciate the story you know the dude say whatever you want to say about the guy he was he really struggled through the first three games had 17 against the timberwolves but then you, you got to think about like and regardless you, you can still think the Furcon doesn't have it or he shouldn't really be a rotation piece or he's not the answer necessarily but for him to have the list frank injury his his first year missed time come back they brian Calangelo, the guy who drafted him gets canned brett brown comes in uh elton brand comes in they don't you know they decline his rookie option he comes back, he has the meniscus tear. Then he gets some minutes in the playoffs where he's not that good. Could go back to Europe and start and play for Fenerbahce or a decent Turkish team or something like that, get a lot more minutes. But he comes to Philly, hits a buzzer beater in Portland. You know, So it's a story you can appreciate either way. For Ben Simmons to hit the big free throws that he did on the possession before that is massive. Because Ben Ben hasn't been shooting the, from the foul line very well this year. He's only hitting at 52%, which is worse than 56%. He hit as a rookie. that he hit last year. You know, he's not shooting jump shots. So, you know, if he's going to be a liability in the half-court offense, but they're able to, you know, if he gets to the line, he hits two foul shots and puts you in a position to win. That's huge, man, because he's got to take that step forward. Otherwise, he looks like the same player this year that he was last year. So,
2: What have your early impressions of Tobias Harris been? Better.
1: Yeah, a lot better. I mean, I think these – he he's at his best, I think, when he's getting down, and they're finding those switches and those closeouts where he can just sort of, you know, back guys down and shoot right over them from four to six feet. You know, the three point shooting will come a little bit more. Um, they're doing some things, and usually it takes about the third quarter for them to kind of get going, get him moving around a little a little bit more, get the organic movement. So is that more
2: them. a matter of just things being designed for him? is it a scheme thing or do you think that there is just a little bit more comfort with his, his role in this team? I mean, because yeah. I was frustrated last year in the postseason watching him. Yeah. I just expected more. Well, I with, was- Jimmy,
1: with Jimmy Butler too, like just having all the ball and then, you know, Joel Embiid needing his touches and stuff like that. I mean, Tobias Harris, just really wasn't enough to go around, you know? So you, you'd like to see him be, be a little bit more assertive still for sure. But you know, like interesting in the Timberwolves game, like Brett said after the game that he didn't really call anything in the first like half. Just kind of let them figure it out on their own, you know, which is interesting because, uh, you know, you want Brett Brown to be more hands-on. But at this point in the season, you're trying to, like, see what they do organically, right? And they tried to – and in that first quarter of the Timberwolves game, they just went post-up, 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 you know? And they can do that, and Tobias Harris is a guy that can do that too. But, I mean, this team is just so massive, and they're just crushing teams in these, these auxiliary, like, ancillary categories. There's something like – They're number one in points in the paint, 59 points in the paint this year, which is, like, number one by a large margin. I think Memphis is number two with 54. They have the sixth-best defensive rating, the 12th-best offensive rating, the third-most blocks per game, the number one amount of steals per game, I mean, d- defensively, they're just and, and on the on the board. Has so seeing them now for five teams.
2: games changed your overall outlook or expectations of what they could be? Like, do you foresee them being the top team in the East now, based off of the first two weeks of the I, season? I think or? so.
1: I think so because listen, if you if I'm going to if I'm going to take both sides of the ball and say <laughs> if, if if say the Sixers came out this year and they did one thing good and one thing bad, and you could improve the one thing. Uh, but not really the other thing. What would you pick? Would you pick for them to be good at offense but bad at defense, or would you do it the other way around? Other way around, because it's just easier for them. They have the natural height and yeah. d- defensive instincts and stuff like that. That's stuff that cannot really be added over the course of the year. Correct. You can get them to better than twenty fourth in three point shooting. You can get them to better than seventeenth in foul shooting. Like it's much more. It's much easier to take a defensive team and like mold them a little bit into like a half court better offensive team so it's right th- it's right there when in front the sixers when man. the
3: sixers went to the finals in 01 that's what they were they were ai yeah. and and four guys who played de- five guys who played defense
1: i'm going to give you a, a stat that kind of tells the story so the sixers are again a horrible turnover team this year they always have been under brett brown he doesn't really care about it. he honestly does not 18.8 turnovers per game is 27th in the nba it's horrendous uh, yet they're only allowing 16.6 opponent points off turnovers which is ninth best that is that is ridiculous disparity you don't you don't you never come across a team that's turning the ball over the 27 most times per game in the league but they're only allowing the ninth most points off those turnovers so that tells me that they're getting back a lot in transition they're not they're not getting punished by those mistakes and they're also committing a lot of like uh dead ball turnovers you know offensive fouls and stuff like that that don't that don't you know, there's no transition opportunity again. So but they they make um they make up for those lost possessions. They're number one in the league in scoring points off turnovers, number two in second chance points. They pull down the third most offensive rebounds per game and the sixth most defensive rebounds. They're just crushing they're crushing teams in these statistics that just pile up, man. And they it's it's like we said last week, it's just attrition.
0: There is a counterpoint to the idea of this being the most advantageous system for them. Um I, I like Bully Ball. I like the fact that they can use their length, and they've shown, you know, look at a, a guy like Matisse Theibel who comes in as a rookie and is arguably already one of the best wing defenders in the league. He's doing things that a rookie since, like, Kawhi Leonard hasn't done. Yeah. And that, he leads the NBA in steals at 2.8 per game, and he's playing, I think it's roughly 19 minutes a night. Yeah, he's, like,
1: right now kind of, uh, even in his rookie year, he's on pace to kind of be where Robert Covington and, like, Otto Porter were during their second year. I mean if he can get his three point shooting above thirty percent, I think it's at like twenty-six percent now, but he can he can start putting himself into like legitimate three and D NBA players com- conversations right now,
0: you know. So for like all the people who were upset in the off season when the draft was coming around and everybody said that that Elton Brandon, the Sixers front office, had really shown their hand that they wanted thigh and that allowed for yeah. Boston to go and got them for that second round pick that Carson became Carson Edwards. Edwards. It, yeah. I mean, when you're able to target a guy and he comes in and he makes an immediate impact. And he can be a shutdown wing for you when last postseason, especially, you could have used a guy who could have shut somebody down on the wing. Yeah. You look at some of the at the high scoring. I think one of the, the things that's going to be a must watch in tonight's game is, did they end up putting Thibel on Devin Booker at some point? I know Josh Richardson yeah. has done a good job. Yeah. But if the idea is put your best wing defender on the other team's best guard, if he can keep up with... Devin Booker and and keep him to a respectable number let's say it's a, a 20 point night instead of mm-hmm. you know Booker's potential 50 plus points or 40 plus points comfortably that that really just proves that they nailed this pick and that it was yeah, okay that they showed their hand yeah, because yeah. if you targeted the guy and he ends up being better value than what other people thought he would have been at that point well then they're, they're, that's they're, a great it's a great draft
1: yeah I mean more than anything I just look at this team and they're they're, they're built for the playoffs already you know personnel from a personnel standpoint also from a, a style of play standpoint Okay, they got two guys who can guard Giannis in, in Embiid and Horford. They have no weaknesses defensively. There's no J.J. Redick exploitation out there. Uh, you know, they're sound defensively and rebounding, and they, they're, they're, that lends itself well to the slow half-court, fourth-quarter possessions that define NBA playoffs anyway. So, I mean, I guess I would toss it to the three of you and say, if I, was, if I gave you the whiteboard or you're sitting here talking to your team before the game – like how? What what would you game plan against the
0: Sixers? It, it's got to be Chuck. It's got to be Chuck from deep. And I think that when I look at the Eastern Conference, and you talk about uh, this team goes to the postseason, they they should easily get to the conference semis. They should get to the finals. They should get to the NBA finals. Mm-hmm. You look at teams in the East that have the ability to to kill you from deep, and I think Portland kind of showed the league that when you play the Sixers, your only real hope is to have a good three-point shooting night. You're not going to be able to body them in the paint. You're not going to be you're gonna gonna the You're going to lose that paint battle yeah. every game. Yeah. So yeah. it's going to have to be a chucking game. Who's second in the conference right now? The Miami Heat. You've got ah. Jimmy Butler, and you've got Tyler Hero. And though, now, who, you said, think, who said you think that last week? playing mind games. <laughs> you think about playing mind games. Jimmy Butler had a quote today that came out, I think it was to Chris Haynes, and it was about not everything that happened in Philadelphia came out. He won't say what it was, but he said that, You can connect dots. I'll connect a couple for the people. When he was leaving Minnesota, he was upset that he didn't get a max extension, but Carl Anthony Towns did, and that's who he had the biggest beef with. He supposedly wanted to re-sign in Philadelphia. Ben Simmons ends up getting a max extension. Granted, I think it was after Jimmy had been traded, but there is a pattern here. You want to talk about mind games in the postseason, Jimmy Butler, you would think, is going to try to get in Ben Simmons' head. I look at Miami and I think that's a team who could beat you from deep. That's a team who's who's going to play you physically in the paint, not be afraid. Yeah, they, they, can, pull, they, they can they can bomb from deep. Yeah, but they, to they me they pull that's,
1: these like Josh Richardson dudes off of trees down there yep. too. Yeah, you know, just like kind of these like two way dudes that are like, where did he come from? And they don't light the they don't light the world on fire offensively, but just like solid players, you know. And I don't I don't. Like, they don't have a lot of, like, top-end star power. I mean, if you're you're giving me the Sixers right now, I mean, what, we're five games in, but you're giving me the Sixers versus Jimmy Butler's Miami Heat in a game seven or whatever, I think the Sixers win. But, uh, yeah, it's an interesting storyline that I didn't really want to have to –
0: that hopefully – we could be done. Hopefully, he we'd dies, be so. done with that. But <laughs> the, the one thing the one thing that you know that Miami has in that situation is is they have their closer, right, in Butler. Yeah. And right now the, the Sixers are still trying to figure out who their closer is. Well, and they went to They, which had, is the,
1: fine. they had we had the first like we say last week, that closer situation. They went to Embiid the first time. Uh they actually drew up the same uh play in Portland, not not with Furcon, but on the possession before it where the clear out and the high low. So I mean it's clear that Brett you know, wants to kind of attack the paint in, in those situations where he's got time to do it. So maybe it's just going to be Embiid or whoever's there to do it. And then, uh, you know, the Furcon thing was obviously a play, you know, you call that up with two seconds or whatever. But it's probably going to be Embiid if he's in there. Uh, maybe Tobias Harris I still think is your best shooter. But I mean, can, you ma- can you imagine, honestly, like think about the, the – uh, what, what word can I say that's all right here? Uh, the Cajones on Brett Brown to, to dial up a, a buzzer beater for Furkan Korkmaz. You can you imagine what what the backlash would have would have been if that did not work why sure. you draw you're drawing up a play for a guy who was not good enough to even have his rookie option picked up last year like that you know Twitter would have ran with it I, but hey man I like I said last week Brett's got the entire year now to kind of like mold this team offensively you know because that's their weakness is the half court you know they're not a great foul shooting or three throw free or three-point shooting team so I don't know, man. So far, so good.
3: It's time to uh, switch it over to Bob.
2: Oh, we
3: got some Phillies news today.
2: Yeah, uh, so some it some transactions by the by the Phils here uh, on a Monday. So we have, uh, let's see, they declined club options on uh, Jared Hughes, Pat Neshek, and Jason Vargas. So you will not see any of those three guys next season. Jake Arrieta did exercise his player option officially for next year. And also Jared Eichol, Phil Gosselin, Mike Morin, Blake Parker, and Edebre Ramos are all uh, out of here. Uh, They were uh, outrighted and uh, elected free agency. So really the the takeaway from that is the bullpen is going to look a little bit different next year. And I mean there's obviously parts, guys, that were injured a year ago that are going to come back. But uh, it's definitely going to be a little bit of a new look bullpen. And I think certainly uh, very much a new look bench.
3: Five openings on the 40-man. Yeah,
2: down to 35. So, and they, uh, they added that uh, Robert Stock guy who was with the Padres at the right. end of the 2019 season. And the only reason why that's actually notable.
3: Is he throws 98?
2: Yeah, because he doesn't throw 86 miles an hour. <laughs> uh, it's, it's really kind of, I wonder if that's a, a signal that their philosophy is going to be a little bit different here, that they want guys that have power arms. And, and the, you know, you saw what they had in the bullpen, especially in the second half of last year, and it was more of the, the crafty look. And, you know, this is a little bit of a flyer on a guy that has a power arm, and maybe that's the way that they they plan to proceed. Just, I think it's going to be an interesting offseason. I really do. The the thing that I kind of believe more and more every day, and you can probably speak to this as well, I think that they are going to be extraordinarily aggressive. I think that they are going to attempt to be creative. Like, I think that when you get to this point in the offseason, right, it's still early on. You see, oh, Steven Strasburg... Uh, Garrett Cole, you get the real obvious names, Anthony Rendon, big contracts, and you go, well, they should go after this guy or this guy. I don't think that necessarily what they end up doing is going to be the super obvious move. You know? I don't think that that's where this team's going. I think that they're going to make big changes. I think that they're going to be aggressive, but they may not do it in such an obvious way.
3: Any of those names surprise you? Not coming back next year? Um,
2: Edebrei Ramos, maybe. Um, I'm stunned that Arietta exercised his option, man. <laughs> I, I would say... Blind, and, blindsided. Yeah, and uh, Hughes, yeah. I think, would be the guy. You know, just because there was such a large sample of work where he was really effective with Cincinnati, obviously has some familiarity with the new pitching coach in right. uh, Price. That would be one guy that I guess I raised an eyebrow. At. As far as Vargas goes, though, guys like Parker, Morin, no. no. Here's what's going to
1: happen. We're going to go out and get Garrett Cole... We're going to get Anthony Rendon. We're going to get Steven Strasburg. And then we're going to get we're going to get that trophy <laughs> yeah. back. And we're going to take Howard Dean. We're going to get
2: John Middleton's.
1: We're going to take Howard Dean and we're going to take back <laughs> yeah. the White House. Yeah. Ryan's got something for
3: you, Kev. Oh, and the Eagles mm-hmm. are going to get Hopkins too, right? The yeah. 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 My man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. Uh, way to go Ron.
1: did you edit all that out? I asked you to edit all that out last week but I listened <laughs> no, to I it think it might have made the show yeah. Yeah, yeah that's good well now we're that's gonna good. yeah we're gonna uh, we're gonna get the trophy, the bleeping trophy back I can feel it
2: how about Garrett Cole after the World Series wearing with the, with the uh, Boris hat, hat. I have to say, I took that as a positive. If you're a Phillies fan that wants Garrett Cole, you have to love that. Because yeah. the whole thing is, he's going west, he's from the the west coast, he's a California kid, UCLA, all that, right? And then you see him come out with that Boris hat, and man, that signals, I want the money. And You gotta,
1: get, you gotta get, continue with stupid money, though. You know, it's like, you can't go, you can't build your wardrobe and buy, like, a Gucci sweater and a diamond ring and then wear the pants from... Uh, Marshall, pe- Marshall, yeah, Yeah, Where do people buy bad pants? Cross Cheap that pants? off the sponsor <laughs> list. Value <laughs> City, baby. Yeah, just no, four McDonald's. On well, yeah. But it's got, but it's got to be a continuation, of that, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I think that the it's almost a foregone conclusion that like they're, you're gonna either, conti- you're they're either going to spend money. You can't
0: have one
1: foot in the door and one foot out.
0: Yeah, but if if are they going to spend that money correctly? I don't know. Gucci shirt is the thing that. That can actually make you a legit contender. You Gucci Mane, right? Yeah.
1: Well, then cover me in Gucci and let's go Phillies. All right. Well, we only have <laughs> five minutes. We
3: only have five <laughs> minutes left in the show, but it's, it's time. It's time for my favorite segment of the show, and we're gonna have to get some music for go- this Gucci if this is gonna man. be something we're gonna do every week. Uh, All yeah. right. If we're gonna do this every week, we're gonna have oh, to find some music for it. I gotta but pull up the th- notes. But this is this is Ke- this is Kevin Kincaid's. Um, uh, new th- his thing that he's doing where he's giving us a Mount Rushmore of something. Yeah, self-deprecating humor. It's yes. kind of like a bit. Because t- we
1: always make fun of how radio does the Mount Rushmore thing, so I'm going to give you my Mount <laughs> Rushmore of a different so whatever. So t- today
3: you're doing the uh, best grunge bands of the 90s.
1: Yeah, nothing surprising on here, but I'll have a take to kind of add to the end of it. So like Mount Rushmore, you don't really order I mean, like one through four, right? It's just like if you're on there, you're on you're there. On there so, right, yeah, okay. yeah. so Alice in Chains.
3: On easily. there, absolutely.
1: Soundgarden. Uh, they're not a Seattle band, but they're they're in the family of '90s grunge bands. Stone Temple Pilots goes on there. I had them just off, and uh, I, I begrudgingly would have to make Pearl Jam my final one, but I'm going to go on the record saying Pearl Jam is overrated. I think Pearl they Jam are. stinks. Nirvana, yeah. Nirvana, Nirvana the most, one of the stinks.
0: Nirvana, one of the most overrated bands. Wow. Pearl, wow. Jam, per, Pearl Jam, Pearl Jam, and yeah. Bruce Springsteen. Nah, I like Springsteen. Are, such are a two of what is with two of most the most two, overrated. Two <sighs> I would rather have any
1: co- like accepted. I would take I would take Nirvana and Pearl Jam both off of there, and I'd go with a three statue Mount Rushmore, or I'd add like a L seven or a uh, combination like Candlebox, Mad Season, Melvin. they flex. Toadies, Mud Honey. Toadies. I'm actually like I'm, I'm flexing both arms right now. <laughs> yeah. What about the
0: Screaming Trees?
1: I like them, but they wouldn't be. That's not a. They wouldn't go on the Mount Rushmore. You know? I'm
0: pretty sure Anthony's just Googling
3: top grunge oh, is he bands. Right now? Grunge yeah, band yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> oh, I got names he up absolutely here. is. Look, no, I looked up Mudhoney because yeah. I love Mudhunting. to listen to the grunge the music, fellow kids. Well, and Lane Staley
1: was in Mad Season 2. That was like a side project that he was in. Temple of the Dog was another big one, which was the. Yeah, but they the were Sound so Gardner. short. I know. But, so but Nirvana was short. Nirvana only had three albums. Yeah. You know I'm not because he be off himself, but. you know. I well, that's, that. Yes, that is why <laughs> that often will prevent you from making the music. <laughs> but yeah. Pearl Jam, I think Pearl Jam. I, this is my Pearl Jam take. Pearl Jam is only as pop, Pearl Jam is like the Foo Fighters. Okay, the reason those bands are only as popular as they are is because they're still around. Okay, because they didn't like see. Kill yeah, I think that the Foo Fighters do. A good, like, or, I feel
2: like the Foo Fighters. Yes, longevity is like a big part just, of they it. They just but stayed around. You know, a lot I mean? of like, catchy him. tunes by the Foo Fighters. Yeah. I,
1: they do, and it's, I'll, not, I'll, it's not to take anything away from them. But I, if, it, it, like, if, if I told you that Lane Staley was still alive, and Chris Cornell was still alive, and Scott Weiland never got on the drugs in the first place, and they were producing albums at the same rate that Pearl Jam was, I think there's more talent in the former three than Pearl, than Pearl Jam. I'll, I'll give you one more that a, I don't. It's so, kind of like a trish. I don't necessarily
3: know if you if you would consider them on the same. If you would consider them grunge, because they're a little bit different, but they do have some grungy songs. Mm-hmm. I was, in, I was in college, and my freshman year, I worked on the event staff at American University. and We had this brand new basketball arena, so we used to get concerts come in, so I used to work event staff. Mm-hmm. And the main act was, and this is not the band I was talking about, but the main act was Red Hot Chili Peppers. Okay. They had three opening acts, okay? Two of the three opening acts were Pearl Jam and the Smashing Pumpkins.
1: The Pumpkins, man, I, I I would, you know, if you go back to the heyday of the 90s when all these bands were popular at the same time, Smashing Pumpkins were just as big as any of them. Yeah. But, like, like, yeah. but it's
3: like to me, I think I consider them kind of grungy.
1: Yeah, I mean every I, I do too. Yeah, like that's why I don't you know that's why Seattle thing. Grunge was like always kind of a weird thing yeah. because like if weird played,
3: looking dude, Billy Corgan.
1: Like in the heyday, of that you know, pumpkins and Stone Temple Pilots and all those bands were part of that family. You yeah, know, every, everybody had the melancholy double album. It was you know? awesome. Yeah. yeah. Melancholy so, and infinite sadness. I would take Smashing Pumpkins over Pearl Jam. Would you? Yeah. Yeah, why don't we put them up there? We'll make them the fourth, just because we okay. got to pick a fourth. But All Alice, right. Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, Stone Temple Pilots, head and shoulders above
3: Nirvana. Wow, sure. that's a tough.
1: That's I a would tough. Take, one. I would take Hole over Nirvana. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Hole,
3: <laughs> you're going with the wife's
2: band. Huh? That's Is that a radio a little, take?
3: Yeah. Yeah, a Courtney Love. I want to do a radio okay. take. Yeah, Rod, go you got Hole got
2: a lot of play on Y100 back in the day. Listen, all I know is I heard the best news of all time. Rage Against the Machine's coming back next yes. year. Yes. We're playing some gigs out in California. I'm all fired up.
1: Next week I'll give you my Mount Rushmore of Rage Against the Machine underrated tracks.
3: Are you allowed to say some of those titles? Deep tracks only? Uh
0: yeah, I think I can say.
2: I <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Let me uh
0: I guess as our let's do a, a topic that'll take to Twitter that the people can continue on yeah. in the aftermath. I brought up yesterday because Dick Stockton was on the call. Oh, I forgot about this. Mm. That Dick Stockton is a guy who is far past his prime. I have an affinity; I, I still have a soft spot for him because he of sucks. his work on uh, NFL <laughs> NFL Fever. They're also on original like the Xbox. Eagles are like
2: three and one hundred four when he does games. I, so. I,
0: I will hold up that I think Dick Stockton and Al Michaels, especially because Al Michaels has Mike Tarico behind him. I I think that those two need to they need to hang up the uh, the old Mike. Let me just read off to you really quick. These are the people who are 50 years and older that are national announcers, and I want to I want to find out from people who they like. Marv Albert, Dick Stockton, Al Michaels, Doc Emmerich, Jerry Lawler, Jim Ross, J.P. Delecamara, Tony Schiavone, Jim Nance, Chris Collinsworth, Michael Cole, Kevin Harlan, Mike Breen, Reggie Miller, Scott Graham, Doris Burke, Joe Rogan, Mike Tirico, Kenny Albert, Tom McCarthy, and Joe Buck. Those people are all over 50. Give us your Mount Rushmore on Twitter. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Crossing Broadcast on 610 ESPN Philadelphia.